You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a rough one for Cousin Shane over there. I, I was surprised yeah. I even got you on the line here. Yeah, and I'm not going to act like I'm a huge baseball fan, Mike, because you know that's not true. And in fact, I can name on one hand how many times I've watched a baseball game this year in my whole life. Actually, this is the only the only baseball I've ever watched. Um, you know, I was thinking about like, was there something that I used to do? I, I think I remember like when that Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa thing was a thing. And, <laughs> you know, I remember watching a few of those just to see a home run, but I cannot remember actually sitting down and enjoying a baseball game. Uh, in fact, the, the, <laughs> the last two games that I watched, Mike, was this one where we lost to stupid Texas, and anybody that's listening obviously hates Texas, so horns down still. Mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey can go to hell. And then um, <laughs> the other one was uh, the Arkansas game. That's the only two, so I'm like over two, and uh, maybe I'm the curse. You know, a lot of people are mad that Peyton Manning was there because he is not a good omen to the outcome of our games lately. So, you know, I tried to reverse it, man. I put, I, I, as soon as I saw Peyton there, I jumped on uh, DraftKings and I, I threw $50 down on Texas winning. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And uh, so, and, and I'm going to tell you, Mike, first, I don't know if I've ever bet against my university, but it's not bad. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, because obviously you want them to win. I wanted them to win. If they won, this would be great. But if they lost, you know, I made a little money. So it was like, I don't know. This may be a new thing for me, you know, because Tennessee loses a lot at a lot of things. So maybe if I start betting the opposite way, I won't be so down because at least I'll have some money in the bank. How mad are you going to be if uh, the coach leaves for LSU? (laughs) You know, again, another thing. I've got like, I know Tony V a lot of people are wanting him to stick around and stuff like that. And, and I, I, and you know, Mike, I've defended him. I defended paying him. I would love for him to stay around. And if there was any silver lining, if there's anything that he could do to, to make the fan base, you know, picked up, you know, so just, just come out and tell it, say, Hey, I'm sticking around just kind of like Wolf of wall street, you know, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> you know, that's all we want to hear him say is I, I'm staying around. And if he does that, I, I think a lot of Tennessee fans would be extremely happy. And they, they would, you know, nobody's happy after a loss, especially in the, you know, the, I mean, College World Series. This is a pretty big deal. Only eight teams allowed in there. And, uh, you know, but enough of that nonsense, Mike. You know, it's called, it's, 
we're a college football podcast, and uh, it's just I love I love watching all schools win. You know, from the SEC. Apparently, we're the only ones that couldn't beat Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, man, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Obviously, I'd love to see him stick around, but if not, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I'll just go back. Just wake me up next time we're back in Omaha, okay? <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you're wondering why we've been away, if you missed it on the last one, I was on vacation, so. How was it? That, oh, man, it was great. Went up to uh, the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado, with uh, mm-hmm. the Flying Hawaiian, your cousin, Cousin Jonathan, your brother. So, yep. you know, we had a good old time out there. But I say that to say this, Shane, because I totally get unplugged when I, when you go on vacation, you got to get away from everything and everything. So mm-hmm. I picked a good time. It was pretty slow, but we still got some news around the SEC. I hope that I hit on all the topics, tried to do my best to go back, do a little bit of a rewind, and I got a little fun show topic to close with so you ready to go around the league brother let's do it now let's go around the league my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because i'm getting bald so uh i'm gonna wear a hat from here on out i mean if you look over the next six years i think we played miami three times florida state six times south florida three times mississippi state once so who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Uh, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so it's funny you were uh, talking about Texas there, Shane, because Arkansas Razorbacks, them Razorbacks fighting Razorbacks there under <laughs> Sam Pittman. Whoopee! Week two of the college football season, of course, hosting the Longhorns in Steve Sarkeesian's first year as the mm. Texas head coach. And we got some great news here, buddy. I mean, this is expected at this point, but Razorback Stadium officially back to full capacity Mm. for the upcoming season. And that uh, is just going to add a little more fuel to that Arkansas-Texas game, which they've already said is going to be a night game. I believe it's the ESPN night game. Uh, I mean, how excited are are you for this one? Oh, super excited, man. I mean, hell, we're watching some of these baseball games with Five ten thousand 10,000 fans and you're amped up just because of how excited they are. You, you know, now when you start doing it with 80, 90,000 fans, 100,000 fans in some instances, it's like you're going to, you forget, you forget how loud college football is, man. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the, the excitement's already starting to build. And I think a lot of that had to do with some of these games that we got to see some fans at. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm super amped, brother. Yeah, and uh, since I've been gone, there's been some shuffling here on the uh, coaching staff. So, you know, before we left, they lost uh, the offensive line coach Brad Davis to LSU. Now they've replaced him. They've uh, kept a coach on staff here. Cody Kennedy, who was the tight ends coach, worked with Sam Pittman at the University of Georgia. He's been at Tulane the last couple years, and from what I understand, they've had a really – Solid running game under Kennedy. So now he's the new offensive line coach for Arkansas. But following that move, that left a hole at the uh, tight ends position. And Sam Pittman, Shane, he picked up his Rolodex here and (laughs) got him a former Razorback, former NFL offensive coordinator with the Titans, Bears, Dolphins, and Jets. Dowell Loggins coming home. And you know it's a big deal. On the hill there, when uh, a staff hire gets basically like a highlight reel, and that's what we got here from uh, Arkansas, who got introduced to uh, Dow Loggins here. With this meeting, I wanted to start bringing back some alumni from the university. The man was the offensive coordinator at the Tennessee Titans. He was the offensive coordinator at the Chicago Bears. 
He was the offensive coordinator at the New York Jets. He was the offensive coordinator at the Miami Dolphins. That sounds like a damn good resume to me. It won't be long, but I'd like you to give his attention. Everybody, this is Dow Loggins. When I was, since I was been five years of age, I wanted to wear that helmet, the Darren McFadden one, not the shiny red one, the white one. I get the recruiting, Coach Pittman, but I wanted to wear that uniform. I wanted to run out that tunnel, run out through that letter A in front of 70,000 screaming Razorback fans saying, Woo Pig Suey. And what made me proud as an alumnus is you, you finally brought back that toughness, the Arkansas. You played like a bunch of wild hogs. You played what the name that earned us our, our nickname of the Razorbacks. You played like that. Proud of you guys. I love each and every one of you because once you're a Razorback, you're a Razorback for life. Coach Pittman, thanks for the opportunity to talk to the team. Appreciate you guys. We got a problem. We're going to fix it this, that, and the other. All right, Chase. Hey, Sam Pittman seems pretty fired up. I mean, he's, he's, he's you may not know this guy's name, but hell, he's been an offensive coordinator at multiple stops here in the NFL. So I think uh, the Arkansas has got to be pretty happy about uh, rounding out the, the coaching staff here heading into the new season. Oh, Dale Logan. See, is that the guy that fought Rocky? I can't remember. No. <laughs> much about this guy i did a lot of i did a little bit i don't want to say a lot i don't want to get too carried away but i did a little research on him because i'm not familiar with uh you know i mean you're talking about an, an oc at tennessee at, at chicago at miami uh what else am i missing cleveland browns i mean jets. the guy's been or yeah the jets you know some powerhouse offenses you know i'm not i'm not familiar with him and i jumped on and did a little research, you know, his last two stops, it seems like he was more of an, like a, maybe like an Adam Gase puppet, if you will. Um, Adam was the, basically, they were running his offense, but, you know, he was the mouthpiece for these two teams. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I don't know if, if you're just, I don't know, melting inside that you got this guy, but, you know, there's something to say about experience. Uh, you, you look at a guy that's been in the NFL for more than 10 years and very young. You know, I don't think this is his final stop. You know, in fact, it may be an opportunity to build his resume back up and get back into the NFL. But, you know, a lot of aspiring athletes on that ball club, that that's what they want to be. They want to be playing on Sundays. And who better than a guy that's been teaching quarterbacks, you know, uh, in the NFL. So I, I think this is a huge hire. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm not totally excited about schematics and what he's bringing to the, the field, but just the experience is, itself, I mean, that's... I think the key here, there's two things, is obviously he's not the offensive coordinator. We've got Ken O'Briles there at Arkansas, so he's just a tight ends coach. Yeah. But I think it's great uh, because there's there's one of two ways it seems like you can go with these tight end coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they went with, obviously, an alumni who's very well-versed and, like you said, getting guys to the next level, and it's probably going to help their special teams. Uh, I like the the special teams coach they got there, uh, Scott Fountain. He's He was the Auburn special teams coach, believe it or not, during the kick six. So he's a, he's a very good special teams coach. But the Razorback special teams was borderline disaster last year. So, you know, maybe you're, you're getting an added bonus there and just – the love for the program. I mean, it's kind of yeah. it kind of mimics Sam Pittman, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's that's what you want if you're a Razorback because you know even if you're the biggest Razorback fan in the world, you got to know more times than not when you line up against Alabama, LSU, maybe even Texas coming in this game, you're going to be out talented, so to speak, or you know mm-hmm. you're just not going to have the roster one to eighty five like some of those other teams. But you make up with, with the toughness and your fight and how bad you want it because half these coaching staffs around the SEC, they got one foot out the door already. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you bring in a guy like this, uh, he's not going to half-ass anything at the University of Arkansas. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm kind of right there with you. I think this is a great hire, and, and particularly the timing of it. You know, you could have do a lot worse. Mm-hmm. A lot of these tight end coaches around the SEC – they're nothing but recruiters. That's all they were. That's what Brian yep. Niedemeyer was. And, yep. hey, got Tennessee some, some recruits, but they couldn't coach them worth a damn. And uh, that, I think that's what you're getting here in Dow. Absolutely. And they stole him from James Franklin, so that's always a plus. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shane, so uh, sticking on uh, the Arkansas theme, let's kick it all down to Missouri. Am I? 
for some big news here for the Tigers. And they desperately, desperately needed some help at the defensive backfield. They had a couple of guys transfer out this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, one of them even went to Florida, signed with Missouri, and then jumped ship after spring, and now he's at Florida. So uh, Missouri was in a position very dire. I mean, they were looking at starting uh, basically freshman defensive backs, but I think they one or two of them is redshirt freshmen, but still, that's not a position you want to be if you're in the SEC with the you know all these quarterbacks and receivers we got throwing the ball all around. So big news here for Eli Drinkowitz because uh, they reached into Kansas twice and stole them two cornerbacks from the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to screw this guy's name up, I'm sure, but a Caleb Evans, he was a starting corner there for – or no, I'm sorry, I said Kansas, but uh, they're from Tulsa. Both these guys were from Tulsa. A Caleb Evans and Ali Green. And believe it or not, Shane. They both played for the University of Tulsa? Both teammates from Tulsa. Okay. Now, they're fo- they're following a position coach, I think, is, is a, probably a big key to this. So, uh, Missouri hired a, one of the assistants from Tulsa this offseason. But Evans has played in 23 games. Uh, 82 tackles, 11 pass breakups, and Pro Football Focus named him to the national team of the week at one point last season. So you know you're getting a quality player there. And then Green is playing 43 games, 116 tackles, 11 pass breakups, interception. And then I know this doesn't help the team immediately, but they flipped a corner that was committed from LSU, Marcus Scott. So Man, it's just been a hell of a week here for Missouri in that defensive backfield. And like I said, I mean, you're getting two quality players here from Tulsa. And if you recall, that was the bowl game opponent from Mississippi State. And that was kind of a you know a defensive struggle there where neither offense could get much going. Uh, Tulsa had a linebacker go in the first round of the NFL draft. They, they were they're a defensive program right now so you're getting two of their better corners and i think immediately this this is going to help missouri on the field and you know losing some defensive backs i was kind of questioning are they going to be able to stop anybody but uh Mm -hmm. hell you add two guys like this that's a great sign for for the tigers hell you add one you know what i'm saying i mean the fact you got multiple i mean they are it, you, you think about some of the schools really taking advantage of this transfer portal, you know, Mizzou as of late are really starting to fill out some roster spots here. So I think that, I think it's a, I think this is a very, very, I think it's, it, this is one of those things that you're probably not going to notice week one, but you know, week five, week six, you know, when we're in the throes of this thing and we need that competitive depth, you know, you know, that's where, that's where this ads like this really start to shine mm-hmm. and uh, that's not all we got from missouri shane because eli drinkowitz was recently on 590 the fan there in missouri and uh, if you missed it i i have hit on this before i believe the clip that i played was mac brown the uh, north carolina coach who mm-hmm. moved his home to be within one mile of the campus because for those that don't know there's an ncaa rule you know, the, when there's a period where you, it's called the dead period where you're not allowed to host recruits on campus and stuff like that. Yeah. If you live within one mile of campus, you can host them. So, hey, all 14 SEC coaches better live within one mile of SEC <laughs> campus. And Eli Drinkowitz talks about that. And he also uh, hit on real quick just the importance of the fans packing the stands. And, and he really wants uh, Farrow Field to be nothing but sellouts moving forward. Now, when you said move home, like you talking about physically move or just like moved residence? Uh, Mac Brown physically moved his residence, and then like it's, he, it's, they, it they like, got sim, they got sent. What you're saying is they like put this house on blocks and they like put it on a semi. No, no, no. Oh, okay, bought, <laughs> bought a, he, when he found out this was a rule, he moved. I don't know where he lived, but I then he it. just moved close to campus. And it sounds like Eli Drinkwitz, as soon as he got the Missouri job, that's he picked a house. You know, across the street for just for this purpose. God, I would have, I would have loved if it was an actual move. You know what I'm saying? Just the way you said it. You know, one of those. It's like, okay, buddy, you're you're thirty, you're thirty six yards from being within the mile. 
you know, so we're going to have to move this thing to the lower part of your, your, your acreage here. So, all right, never mind. I'm sorry, Brandon. <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz. Coach, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you today? Very good. Now, look, I got to get this straight. Were you that smart when you moved to Columbia that you knew about this rule that if you lived a mile within the campus, they would that would count as an unofficial visit? You could bring kids to your house? And did your wife know that was your ulterior motive? Take me through this, because this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's not about how to get... Uh, you don't try to break rules. You try to use them to your favor. And so <laughs> you got to know the ins and outs. And the NCA, uh, you know, changed the the rules regarding unofficial visits about four years ago. And so anything within a mile of campus is uh, you have the ability to, to take recruits there to eat, uh, visit, or, you know, come over to your house. And so, um, yeah, you know, as part of the, the parameters of our, our, our housing search, we tried to see what we could find within a mile of campus. And we're fortunate to find a tremendous home that my wife enjoys and, and is perfect for our girls, but it, also so happens that it ain't so bad for recruiting either. But what if your lovely bride would have said, you know, I have found the dream house and it's four miles away? Well, I'd have said that she probably needs to find another dream husband because <laughs> we get paid to recruit. So as long as we're paying the bills, we can make sure we're recruiting at a high level. Final thought before we let you go. Uh, you alluded to it earlier. What's it going to be like for you, you running out on that football field and if you look up in the stands and you see 70,000 people there? Well, it needs to be, you know, it, it needs to be 70,000 people there. And regardless if you're excited about, you know, everything that we're doing, you know, we, we owe it to this state to put a great product on the field and our staff is working extremely hard and our players are working extremely hard. Um, and as excited as everybody is about how we're recruiting, I need the fans to put their seats in the stands for recruiting too, because nothing's going to get somebody to want to flip from another school better than seeing how passionate our fan base is. You know, when we signed the Blaine Gabberts, the, the uh, uh, Darrell Green Beckons, the, the Marcus Goldens, those, that's when, when Mizzou was selling out for O Field every week. we got to get back to that because when we do that, then in-state recruiting is like shooting fish in a barrel. So that's what I need out of the fans in order to help us uh, achieve what we all want to achieve. <laughs> oh, but there is, hey, I know it's the off season, but Drinkwitz still giving us some gold here. I, th I thought that was hilarious yeah. about uh, comments with his wife and everything. But, you know, interesting that, uh, you know, he's not calling well, the fans out or anything, but he's just well, asking Mike, to, to continue the momentum. You know what? For starters, his wife clearly does not listen to sports talk radio in her town <laughs> <laughs> because there's no way in hell he would have said that if he had any chance of her actually listening. So, no, she runs – I'm sure he, he put a nice little spin on things, but, you know, we, we all know these these coaches' wives, a lot of them, they're the ones that wear the belt as soon as you get inside the house. So, <laughs> But anyway, Mike, I, I think you made some great comments about the fans. You know, they own it to the fans. You know, that's just something you typically don't hear from a, a second-year coach you know, is is owing them. You know what I'm saying? Usually it's, hey, the rebuild, let's give us some time, blah, blah, blah. I hope you come out. You know, I, I think the way Eli's coming out, you know, he's already got high expectations for his players, and he's got even higher expectations for the fans. Because say what you want, man, if you've got a half a stadium full and a third of that is uh, – you know, the opposing team, it, it's kind of tough to have that home field advantage. So I, I think this is, a, this is a battle cry, and I, I like to hear this from my head ball coach. Mm -hmm. All right, one other uh, note here, Shane, and this is kind of a dual update here for South Carolina and Tennessee because uh, maybe I was jumping the gun here when I talked about Kansas because Kansas does have a guy in the transfer portal. Karen Prunty is his name. He was a true freshman last year, started nine games for Kansas. He was a freshman All-American, according to 247 Sports. You know, they hand out their mm -hmm. annual, uh, you know, All-American type awards. And uh, this is, you know, really good defensive back. Ten pass breakups, had an interception, 26 tackles. And he is down to South Carolina and Tennessee. And he 
says he's not given a specific date, but he just visited both campuses. He says he's making his decision this upcoming weekend. So uh, we'll update that as soon as uh, Prunty makes his decision. But I think this is a guy that uh, you got to figure at South Carolina and Tennessee, he may be a day one starter here. So, and a little bit more added intrigue when you got two SEC East programs trying to move up the ladder in the SEC fighting for a transfer from Kansas. Is there is there any type of portal deadline? I, I know that they're they're letting these these guys play. Um, so it seems like out of all the years that we've had this transfer portal, none of them are as important or significant as what we have right now. So I'm just curious, is there a deadline like where these things after a certain date, there's no chance of them playing uh, year one? Now, as of right now, no, there's no deadline, and there is some discussion of that. I think it would kind of clean it up a little, you know what I mean, if uh, maybe right after spring football, yeah, you got a month or, month or two to do it, and uh, I think that would make sense, maybe right after the regular season so that you could get in before spring, but just kind of the way it is right now, man, it's just balls to the wall, and you can just enter and, and transfer and come in and out, and um, I mean, it's a wild scene right now. And I'm just I'm a little worried, you know, coming into fall camp. Somebody's like, wait a minute, I'm not going to be the starter? Well, screw that. I'm going to the other team, you know, or something like that. I just – I don't know. I just – I hear this, and then these guys talking about you, talking about instant uh, impact on a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing – I mean, the the later we get, the the more and more I don't like this portal situation. So Now, they anyway, have come out – the SEC has come out now, uh, you know, so they've cleared the – to where you can transfer from SEC school to SEC school. Mm-hmm. I believe they put a deadline on that one. And I think okay, I think it's February 1. Okay. But that's just underclassmen. So that's not graduate transfers. That's not, you know, if you want to steal someone from Clemson or Florida State. Wait, what do you mean February 1? Uh, so if you, like, let, let's say you, let's say you're a freshman at Alabama. Uh-huh. And then you say, I want to go to Auburn for my sophomore year. You're allowed to go, but I don't think you're allowed to play unless you make that transfer before February 1. Okay. And I could be wrong about that date. It's either February 1 or March 1. It's it's one or the other, but they've come out and said that, and, and the whole purpose, I think, is kind of what you're saying. They don't want to go into a fall camp scenario and then mm-hmm. have someone say, well, hell, I'm not going to be starting at Alabama. I'm going to go to Auburn, you know, and then – then they'll have the playbook and everything. You know what I mean? So right. uh, they are the SEC is putting restrictions on itself for for in conference transfers, but not out of conference, if that makes sense. So let me and just to clear it up here, let's just say uh, just a random situation. Um, Auburn, okay. Let's say Bo Nix found out that he was not going to be the starting quarterback going into fall. Mm-hmm. Could he right now? Uh, we're, I mean, we're sitting here at the twenty second of June. Could he right now enter the portal next week, start somewhere, another university, or is it he's got to sit out until the following year? It depends on whether he goes to an SEC school or not. If he goes to an SEC school, I don't think he'll be allowed to do that at this point because he's an okay. underclassman. He's still he's still a junior. Okay, I was just. Just wanted to make sure, uh, you know, because I didn't, I, I didn't know if the portal ended sometime over the summer. I know you said February, but what if they don't even get to fall camp and when these kids decide to go to a different school? You know, I was just kind of curious about the the dynamics there. So, mm-hmm. well, this is confusing as hell. We're all learning on the fly. <laughs> trust me. All right, man. All right. <laughs> hey, before you before you go too far, I want to ask you since we're talking about roles and stuff. Uh, noticed over the couple of days ago. NCAA took a loss, took an AL. Can you kind of explain that situation? <laughs> yeah, so there was a, a su- Supreme Court ruling here on Monday, I think it was. And uh, essentially what this was was uh, NCAA versus uh, a collective of former NCAA athletes that were trying to fight for the rights for current student athletes. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a little confusing. Some people think this just means like the players can get paid immediately or anything like that. But what this ruling was, 
by NCAA rules, athletes are essentially treated different than normal students on campus. And Mm -hmm. by that, I mean there was limits on what you could give them in terms just of academics. So the school could not purchase them a laptop. The school could not purchase uh, unlimited tutoring for these athletes. And Mm -hmm. that's what this Supreme Court ruling was, uh, was that you cannot basically treat the athletes unlike normal students because at the end of the day, that's what they're supposed to be is normal students. And if you and I were in college and, you know, someone wanted to to provide us with uh, something to help our academics, you know, they would not rule us ineligible to be at school. So uh, that's my understanding of it. So this is just going to clear the way for basically the NCAA to not block educated related expenses that the schools can pay for. And and my understanding is these schools as of right now can buy these things for student athletes. And that's the key word there, those educated related expenses. And I've seen some mm-hmm. people saying, well, you know, a Dodge charger will uh, do, <laughs> do your math homework for you. Right. So, <laughs> it does have Wi-Fi, So we'll see. I mean, you know, uh, Nick Saban down there, he's probably trying to figure out some way to, to, factor this into a, uh, his local Mercedes-Benz dealership, but uh, I don't think it, this ruling is not going to go quite that far, but it does open the door, because basically it was a 9-0 to zero decision. The Supreme Court yeah. ruled in favor of the athletes over the NCAA, and they basically said the NCAA has been breaking the damn law since existence, so mm-hmm. not a good day for the old NCAA, <laughs> and hopefully this means we'll get our damn game a little bit quicker. You know what? Uh, well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I, I just, I just kind of, I'm glad you cleared that up because, like, I, I saw all the news and, and I was like, what does this mean? So there's still other steps. This isn't, you know, athletes can make money yet, but uh, it, it looks like, it looks like another step toward that. Am I, am I correct? I think you would be 100% correct there. So if you get two computers, I'm just saying, throwing this out, Mike, you know, a man with two computers, he only needs one. Does that mean he can sell the other? Cam Newton would still be at Florida <laughs> if this rule was in place back then. I'm going to just say that. Absolutely. All right, Shane. So, hey, uh, we love to hit on all 14 teams if we can. And I came up uh, here with a little idea that uh, I think you will enjoy here. So they've already got the over-unders for all 14 teams. Those have been out for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I ranked the teams based on how confident I am that they'll go over on their over-under. So I'm not I'm not sitting here debating, the, you know, which, which way it's going to happen. I'm just, as of right now, how confident am I that Team X is going to go over their number? Does that make sense? Yes. All right, so just feel free to mock my list. And t- I know, <laughs> hell, Twitter's already, they've already got their fingers on the button here. And uh, I'm ready for it because I think some of these are going to be a lot less popular than others. But I'm going to start at the bottom. So, again, I'm not saying this team won't exceed their over-under number. I just think it's the least likely. Does that make sense? Okay, so when you say you're starting at the bottom, are you going to start, like, the bottom, like, projected wins? No, 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 no. See, for example, I'm going to start with Auburn. Okay. Auburn's over-under is seven. So I have the least amount of confidence that they can get to eight wins next season. Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're saying. I thought you'd start, like, okay, all right. Makes sense. So, <laughs> out of all fourteen teams, you are le- like if you are a gambling man, just taking Mike's opinion mm-hmm. to the bank. You need to go out right now, put some money on the wait, not the over. So this isn't an under thing, over under thing. It's just the the confidence of them going over seven. That's it, right? Right. And maybe if this if this number was seven and a half, it would I would not be as confident, but. Hey, Auburn's got to win eight games mm. to get to hit the over here. And they go to Penn State early in the year, 
at LSU, Georgia at home, at Texas A&M, Alabama. I mean, these are some damn, Yeah. I don't know about Penn State, but the rest of these potentially college football playoff contenders. And that's before even getting to, you know, at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. They got to go to South Carolina, which you you probably think that's an easy W, but remember there's some bad blood there. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I think Auburn, that is a tough, tough one. I I certainly think they can get to seven and five, but I do not see eight and four coming Auburn's way. So real quick, what, what, so let's just say they're they're saying seven. You you're not that confident. You hate Auburn for some reason. Uh, what are the five swing games that that we're looking at here? I mean, we got Alabama's obviously one that they're considering. Uh, LSU's probably the other. Mm-hmm. What's the Penn State? Is that one on That's there? That's probably the one big one. That's the big okay. one at Penn State because if you go on the road and you beat Penn State early in the season, they open against Akron and. Alabama State, they're gonna beat the shit out of those teams. Yeah, they'll have momentum. They'll they'll be feeling good about themselves. Then they gotta play the night game on ABC. It's gonna be nationally telecast. Mm-hmm. You go on the road and whip up on uh, James Franklin. You know, maybe you do get that over. So you think it comes down to a Penn State game? Well, potentially, because then two weeks later you're going to LSU and you're playing Georgia. I mean that. Imagine if you lose to Penn State, and then you got that that hill. I mean, yeah. then that momentum is going to go downhill quick. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, okay. And we got a first year, you know, staff and and hell, every any time and every time I defend Bo Nix, people jump on me. They think he's garbage. I I don't think he's. Mm-hmm. I think that's more Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn. But um, it's just a tough, tough schedule this year for the Tigers. And I think seven and five is probably the perfect mark for them right now. Mm. I, I think Auburn fans are happy to hear SEC Mike <laughs> say this. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason we're not retired for gambling, Mike. You know? <laughs> All right, next on the list. So least confident to go over Vanderbilt at three. Now I certainly think Vanderbilt could get to three, but again. So we're just talking the over. You got to get to four here, and obviously they didn't win a game last year. I think they'll be much improved under Clark Lee. But how soon are we going to get that? And their non-conference games—they got ETSU. That's an easy W. But then on the road at Colorado State, I don't know who signed up for that. I mean, you get—you got Colorado State. You got to get them at home. Mm. Uh, Stanford and then UConn. UConn, you could beat them, but. Stanford, and then on the road to Colorado State, not doing Vanderbilt any favors there. I, I certainly think they could split those. But then you got to win in the SEC, and some of the more winnable games for Vanderbilt, maybe at South Carolina, but it's on the road at Tennessee again on the road. Mm, I, I don't. I think this is a this is a tough ask here to go to get to four wins after not getting any if you're Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think it comes down to non-conference, like you said. They got couple tough ones there they're not they're not shoe-ins like they have been in the past so right i don't know man uh, but i we're talking about a whole different different program different off different offense different defense you know i like i like the quarterback play there um sometimes that may be the deciding factor but i don't know that's uh okay all right i'm with you there i mean it's it's tough i i don't know anything we don't know anything about stanford we don't know anything about hell even uconn we don't know about. So um, I like to think that Vanderbilt can beat those two teams, ETSU. I think I like to think Colorado State is definitely going to be a win. So I think it comes down to, uh, I don't know, uh, that fourth game. So do they still win in the SEC? I mean, I don't know. I, you're not that confident. But I Vanderbilt, I think, is going to be a little bit better this year. Mm-hmm. All right. I think this might be the most controversial one on the list, Shane. I'm not trying to be controversial, but I'm trying to prepare folks. Least confident to go over Alabama, 11 and a half. So that means if they're going over, they're going undefeated again. And I just don't know if they can do it. I think, you know, you go, you got at Florida, you got Ole Miss, you got at Texas A&M, you got LSU, you got at Auburn, 
And don't forget Miami in the opener. I think at Mississippi State too. So we'll lose one game. I'm I'm not I'm not betting on Alabama to go undefeated for the second straight year. How about you? Do you, do you hear all them people fast forwarding now, man? They're 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 already moving to the end. See if there's a blooper reel. You know, <laughs> this may be it right here, guys. This may be the blooper. I'm not. I, you never bet against Nick Saban. You never bet against Alabama. There's nothing that I've seen from last year to this year that that makes me feel – you're talking about confidence, man. Like, I, I, I at worst-case scenario, I, I think it would be over, but it would be toward top of your list. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, like, pretty confident that it ain't going to happen. So, no, I'm not, I'm not with you on this one, Mike. Okay, okay. Let's see if you're on this one. You, you may be just as cool on this one. Tennessee six, mm. and again these uh, round numbers—that's what kill you. Because I could, I could see Tennessee winning six games this year. I don't know about seven. The non-conference for the most part's a joke, but week two they play Pitt at home, kind of like uh, you know that Auburn at Penn State matchup. This Pitt one, I got a—I don't know—I just got a feeling, Shane. This is going to be one of these games where. You know, Vol Nation probably going to beat the hell out of Bowling Green in the opener. You get some optimism, and then the fans are just going to completely write off or jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> if Josh Heupel beats Pitt, they're, they're on the bandwagon. If they lose to Pitt, they'll never trust him. I mean, it's, it seems like one of those deals. So uh, that Week 2 game against Pitt looms large. And if they lose that, I don't think there's any way they're going over six. But even if they do win it as they sh- should I think? Then you got to win three SEC games to go over. So, what are your thoughts on uh, Tennessee there at six? Hmm. Well, like the start of the show, Mike, I turned over a new leaf, so I'm going to bet the under and then be happy if they go over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, again, we're talking an offense I have yet to see, a defense that I'm worried about. I mean, there's just so many factors with Tennessee football right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they can put points on the board, then anything can happen. And uh, that's kind of what you need in this situation. I think they're in a good spot. I Don't be surprised. I think that number may go down a little bit. Um, I'm kind of with you. I'm more the confidence. I'm not, I'm not not confident that they can get to seven. Or, or even six, you know, but I think that people are going to start betting this one down a little bit, and the closer we get to the season, we may be sitting there at six is a, a good number. So, yeah, I guess, Mike. Uh, confidence, I have none with Tennessee right now, so <laughs> I probably would have put them at the 14 spot. <laughs> All right, how about this one? Same number, different team. Mississippi State, six. A little bit more confident in the Bulldogs here, and – you know, I think Mike Leach in his second year, I think we're going to see some big strides here from the Bulldogs. But this schedule, man, they didn't do him any favors. You got one automatic W here with uh, Tennessee State late in the year. But coming out the gate, and Mississippi State should beat all these teams. I'm not saying they're going to lose to any of them. But Louisiana Tech out the gate, not exactly a cupcake. NC State who's decent, and then at Memphis. I mean, who in the hell's doing the schedule for Mississippi State to where they're – I mean, if, if you don't bring, you know, your A game and you have a couple turnovers, one of these teams could get you. You know what I mean? So uh, it, if you're going to get over, you got to win the non-conference, which they should. But then right out the gate, then you got LSU at Texas A&M and Alabama. Those are your first three SEC games. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just – this is just a nightmare schedule, and if it, if it was set up a little bit differently for Mississippi State, I'd have a ton of confidence that they're going to get to seven, maybe even eight wins. But I just don't like the way the schedule breaks down for the Bulldogs. Mm. Uh, who's their, their East opponents this year? Uh, well, they always get Kentucky, so that's a right. dangerous team. And then uh, the other one here is at Vanderbilt, so that should be an easy W. Oh my gosh, Dude, yeah, Mike, you're crazy. This is number one on my confidence. They're going over. I mean, not even a question. The the, the four non conference. I 
you know, we could talk about the Wolf Pack and what could happen over there. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Mississippi State team year two under the Pirate. We've seen what he's been able to do with all of his programs going into his sophomore season. I, I think this is uh, I, I there was a reason they were ranked so high. I, th- I think Mississippi State is expecting some good things. And to say they can't get to seven games, that is nonsense. So, that is that SEC Mike. So if you want to go ahead and shoot him a tweet, not big orange balls, because I think Mississippi State goes well over six. All right, how about this one? We're getting tougher now. Missouri, they got the they're at seven. And, you know, similar to Tennessee, similar to Auburn. The one that looms large, week two at Kentucky. You know, if they beat Kentucky on the road, I think they can get to that overmark. But That'll be tough. I mean, that's going to be a crossroad game for both these programs. And towards the tail end of the season here, I mean, it gets pretty rough here. We got Texas A&M on the schedule. That's their West opponent this year. They do get a breather here with at Vanderbilt, but then it's at Georgia, South Carolina. That's not bad, actually. And then Florida and then at Arkansas. So, I mean, the, the tail end of the season is rough for Missouri. So, it's going to be really key that they get that momentum going early. How confident are you that the Missouri Tigers go over seven? So again, they got to go eight and four to hit this over. Mm, that's a that's a tough pull, man. Eight is a tough number to get to. But if anybody could do it, <laughs> <laughs> it's coach that lives two hundred yards away from the campus. You know. <laughs> This is Spinzo, Mike. I'm just going to bash everything you say and just talk about how confident. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm uber confident, but some of the things that I saw year one with Eli and crew, I just, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I'm almost, well, as, as a Tennessee fan sitting there in the Eats, you don't want Mizzou to do well. And it just feels like they grew up a lot last year. Mm-hmm. and was handicapped a few times. And I don't think they're going to have those problems coming into this season and kind of makes you wonder, you know, what 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 is the ceiling for these guys? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go – I'm going to move them up a little bit on the confidence scale just because uh, I think they're going to – I think this is a team we're definitely going to talk more about by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. All right, next on the list, Shane, same number, same division here, Kentucky – also at seven. So I like Kentucky a lot. You know, they've got a hell of a running back. They've always got a solid defense. They've added some nice pieces. But they're blowing up the offense. And until they have a quarterback, you know, if I if I knew what they were going to get in this new offensive coordinator and play caller, and I knew what they had in the quarterback, I would be a lot higher on Kentucky to get to that eight-win mark. Mm-hmm. But until we see that, and, hell, I think they're only returning, you know, four starters on defense. But but they've got depth on that side of the ball. They've got experience. So I'm not really worried about the mm-hmm. defense. But if I just – you know, those are two huge question marks here, quarterback and offensive coordinator, play caller. If I had those answers, I'd be more confident. But I just think, as of right now, I cannot say Kentucky's going to win eight football games until, until we get some answers at those critical areas. Mm, Mike, Mike, Mike! I'm telling you what, you are digging yourself out. You, why did you even create this segment? You that just to piss off 14 teams, 13, I guess you're gonna let one off the hook here. But I'm gonna go over, man, because why not? Why the hell not? Kentucky does have. Yeah, we don't know who's quarterback. We don't know who's throwing up the offensive plays. But newsflash, it can't be worse than it was last year. It, it feels like anything they put up there is gonna be an improvement. And if they do get a little bit more balanced, I think that's even more scary for teams of the SEC East. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny when you look at trying to predict wins and losses, there's a lot of those bubble games that comes down between Kentucky. You know, you think about right. Mississippi State, you think about Mizzou. I mean, it, it, it's going to come down to a few of these games. And, and uh, if Coach Stoops showed us anything, you know, he, he has the ability to win them. So I like the confidence. I'm glad they're they're on the top of your list. Uh, because they got a deep, they got a deep. I mean, hell, they got some of the best running backs in the conference. Hell, they may not need to throw the ball, but uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that 
I just think that that offense is going to improve regardless, and and I think that shows in wins and losses this year. All right, this next one was really tough to peg, Shane. I'm going Texas A&M. Their number's nine and a half, mm-hmm. so they'd have to get to ten to get that over. They've certainly got the team to do it, and I think they got the schedule to do it. But so they're in the more confident side of the bracket. But still, you got Alabama, you got at LSU. Let's say you. I'm not saying they're going to lose those games, but let's say you do, then you cannot lose a single other game. And I think that uh, Texas A&M, based on uh, the strides that we've seen them make under Jimbo, they're more than capable of going ten and two. But it it's not going to be easy, and you got to there cannot be any hiccups on this schedule, basically, unless you do beat in Alabama or you do win in Baton Rouge. Uh, so, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on Texas A&M nine and a half? What's your confidence that they can get to that 10-2? and two? Uh, They're number one on my list, Mike. And the reason is because here, here you're talking about two possibles. You're talking about maybe LSU, maybe Alabama. You know, it, it, you're talking about 50-50 games right now. Those are games that Texas A&M could win. It's a game that Texas A&M won last year, so I'm not going to say LSU is going to beat them this year. So mm-hmm. uh, now you're, you, you, you're buying yourself, okay, so say they win one of them. Okay, they lose to either Alabama or LSU, so you still have the uh, the ability to lose to one other game, you know, one other surprise in your in your schedule. And I just don't see it on there. I think this is a big year for Texas A&M, so uh, uber confident that that they're over. All right, how about this one, Shane? Ole Miss seven and a half. I like this number a lot, mm-hmm. based on uh, hell. You know, I've been going back watching a lot of Ole Miss. We all know how good Matt Corral in this offense was last year, but he had basically two meltdown games against Arkansas and LSU, and they lost both. But particularly that LSU game I'm thinking about, they almost won it, and he had, there was like six turnovers by Ole Miss. Yet when you turn the ball over six times and you lose by, what was it, five or six points, mm-hmm. you know, that tells you you probably should have won the game. So – if they can avoid those meltdown-type performances and not have so many damn turnovers in crucial moments, Ole Miss, Matt Corral, I mean, he might be the, the underdog Heisman candidate of the season here. So seven and a half over, uh, I think I think Ole Miss could easily get to that eight-win mark. Yeah, what's their uh, – I know we did a breakdown a while back, but what are their four non-conference again? So they open the season uh, in Atlanta against Louisville. Okay. Should beat the hell out of them. Yeah. Austin P and Tulane up next. So those two more wins. And then here's what this one's a little tricky, but still should beat the hell out of them. Late in the year, Liberty, Hugh Freeze. Remember, they were were ranked last year, but hell, I don't think they played anybody but their sorry ass tees in their league. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, That'll be entertaining for about a quarter. Uh, so Ole Miss will go four and zero in the non-conference. Yeah, yeah, I'm going over then. So I mean, we're we're talking, but three they got to win four more games out of mm-hmm. there. So yeah, I like that too. I'm not as confident as as an A and M, but I like that it's at the top end of this list. All right, how about this one, Shane? I've kind of come full circle on this team this off season. Florida at nine, and uh, I maybe have them a little bit higher, but that nine. You know that's tough because there's there's no middle road there. You know what I mean? Like uh, getting a ten games again. Mm-hmm. They got Alabama coming to town. They got to play Jacks uh, Georgia and Jacksonville. So if you drop those, you cannot drop another game. And they got at Kentucky, which Kentucky's played Florida pretty tough the last couple of years. At LSU, that's no gimme. Uh, you got Florida State on the schedule. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're going to beat the hell out of Florida State. But uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, at Missouri, uh, Tennessee, well, hell, they always beat the hell out of Tennessee. But that's why I got Florida so high on this list. Uh, it's tough for me to see them losing uh, many more games than – and, hell, I'm not ready to write them off as, as automatic losses to Alabama or Georgia yet either. I think right. I think people that are doing that are, are kind of foolish. So uh, I would be very surprised – if uh, Florida lost, or excuse me, lost four games. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Uh, because I I don't think uh, even though we, we talked I talked up Alabama, it's like Alabama and Georgia. You can't pencil them in as an automatic win. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, hell, you saw you saw what happened last year. So uh, you know, he he gave them a run both of them. So in, in fact, won one of them. So you're you're saying Florida can't have three losses. So I mean, the other option would probably be the LSU game. That's going to be a close one. It's always a tight ball game, but. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident out of those three games that, that they can win at least one of them, you know, so if not all of them. So yeah, I'm pretty confident they go over as well. Now here's one of my favorite ones on the board here, Shane, Arkansas at six. If they can get over Texas, which hell we've been saying all off season, they're going to beat the Longhorns ass. Mm -hmm. That's going to give them four non-conference, easy non-conference outside of Texas. So they'd only have to win three SEC games. How many games they win last year in the SEC, Shane? They won three of them. And mm-hmm. I think the Longhorns are going to be, a, or excuse me, the Longhorns, the Razorbacks are going to be much improved in a year two under Sam Pittman. So uh, I think uh, Arkansas, too many people sleeping on the Razorbacks. Who's their uh, East opponents again? So they always play Missouri, which, hell, they've, they've never been able to beat them. But, right. you know, they should be on par with them this year. And then the other one is going to be tough <laughs> at Georgia. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's, I mean, you're so you're very, very confident. So you're 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 already penciling in four non-conference, and you're saying that they're going to at least get three more during the season. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Okay, and and this is number one on your list. You know, not yet. We're getting close, though. Oh, okay, man. I, that's. I mean, it's tough because, like you said, they got a tough draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mizzou. It's not like you, you can't just say, "Oh, man, hell, they're going to beat Mizzou." Well, you have it. You know what I'm saying? That's always right. a tough game. It's a rivalry, and uh, these two are already bickering back and forth. So it's, you know, it's going to be <laughs> intense. And then, and then on top of that, you you throw in Georgia. Uh, yeah, they got a pretty good ball club this year. So I, it's a, that's a tough road, man, trying to find those wins in the West. All right, how about this one? I really like this one too, Shay. This will be under the radar. South Carolina, three and a half. And that's such a low number. That's why I like it, I think. And given their non-conference, look at their non-conference here, Shane. Well, of course, they got to play uh, Dan Clemson. But Eastern Illinois. Victory. At East Carolina. Victory. And Troy. Victory. So, hey, we just got to win one more game, boys. <laughs> and we got Kentucky at home. We got Vanderbilt at home. Well, at Missouri will be tough. But, but hell, I mean, man, I don't know who set this number. But uh, you basically got to pull one upset. And, and not even an upset because you, you got to figure that South Carolina is going to be favored against Vanderbilt. But you got to avoid getting upset basically in uh, your non-conference and, and beat Vanderbilt. And you hit that over. Yeah, I think this is the year Clemson starts sucking again, too. So hopefully mm-hmm. it would be that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a tall order, but, man, that would be really nice if they could close out the season with a victory over them. But, uh, yeah, that's a small number. So you're looking at four victories. I like that. I like that. That's a good bet. All right, and then the final two, I'm putting these in their own category, Shane, because I'm uber confident. We've only got two teams left on the board here. Georgia, 10 and a half. And LSU, mm-hmm. eight and a half. Mm. I don't see any way, the way it's playing out right now, the way the, you know, how I regard these teams, I don't think there's any way LSU or Georgia, LSU eight and a half, Georgia ten and a half, I don't think there's any way they don't reach those. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Can I ask you again? I hate to go back. What was Alabama? They are at 11 and a half, so they have to go perfect. Maybe I was wrong about that one. I'm telling I mean, you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough. It, it's tough to go undefeated because I don't know, man. I just got this weird feeling it's going to be A&M and the Bulldogs. Uh, I, it's way too early, Mike. I know I'm not. I'm not telling you go out there and put your bets out there yet. But um, yeah, I, I'm very confident with. The, I mean, I, I told you a million times. I think this is Georgia's year. This got to be Georgia's year. If it doesn't, then I'm I am I cannot wait. I have got a whole folder full of jokes and memes ready to send out if Georgia fails, because <laughs> Kirby should not fail. LSU, I, I think this is a bounce back season. I thought I, I felt like they had it at the tail end. I've said that a million times. Mm-hmm. I, I kept whispering about you know see, that I think 
LSU's going to be sneaky good this year, but then that seems like everybody else is doing it. So I kind of got off that wagon, you know, because I don't want to <laughs> sound like everybody else. But I, I really do, I, I really do think that they have uh, no trouble finding nine wins this season. Uh, they've got the talent for it, and uh, I mean, granted, they got a tough schedule, but yeah, everybody's got a tough schedule in the SEC. Right. Yeah. The only way I could see these. I mean, maybe if Georgia, there's some kind of epic collapse in, against Clemson mm-hmm. and it exposes them or something, and, and then, you know, all they, they'd they only have to lose one more to, to not make it, but I don't think that's going to happen. And the only thing with LSU would be, you know, obviously last year was such a disaster, but so many things had to go wrong for that to happen. I just don't think, you know, you're going to have 10 things go wrong with players opting out and Mm-hmm. coaches leaving uh, and, and everything and, and coaching disasters left and right. So, yeah, I, I'm i very confident in LSU, very confident in Georgia. And I don't know about you, Mike. Uh, I, you know, gambling, I love to gamble. You guys know this. And there's something about picking some of these, like you mentioned earlier, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, whatever. And there's something I love about gambling on teams like that than I would a team like Georgia especially when we're talking about over-unders. It's like you're going to know pretty soon if if you're doing a, a South Carolina and then, you you know, they get those non-conference and then they're 3-0. and It's like, oh, baby, I just need one more. And you, every seat, every weekend, you know, you're like, is this the weekend I'm going to make my money? <laughs> Georgia, you're, you're more playing defensive. Like, oh, my God, don't blow this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but I, I love it, when you're talking about bigger picture, whole season bets. I love doing the smaller ones uh, just because those, it seems like you could cash in on those earlier than later. Yeah, absolutely. So take this advice while it's while it's hot. Well, you know these uh, sports books are not all over these college football lines at the moment. Now's the time to get you some value because uh, you know once people start jumping on these lines, they're gonna they're gonna change quite a bit. I think by the time the season rolls around. Absolutely. I'd like to get on here at some point and talk about Heisman hopefuls too because Ooh. now's a good time if you've got. If you're thinking a team's going to pop and there's a player on there, typically a quarterback, and you're like, yeah, I think he's going to lead it. Now's the time to put the bets in. Now, if you're just picking somebody that, you know, that's on every fuck, or sorry, excuse my language, that's on every damn cover of the magazine, you know, just don't don't waste your time. That one's probably going to change, you know, three, four weeks in. But if there's a, if there's a dark horse team that you've been thinking about, I, this is also the time I like to put in my husband bets. Well, Shane, I think you just gave us an idea for next week. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, all right, buddy. Hey, we've spilled on long enough here. Um, you got anything before we hop off? No, uh, it's good to talk to you. I'm glad you enjoyed your vacation. Glad to have you back. Um, you know, we're getting getting closer there, guys. We're we're, we're got the countdown. We're in the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be in the sixties again. If you got a number coming up, and you're like, hey. Don't forget this play. Send it over to that SEC podcast because, you know, you know I love combing through these plays. Mike, I sent you how many yesterday for, for <laughs> 74? I sent you about, about eight of them, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you chose the first one I sent over. <laughs> uh, and it's hard not to. The, the uh, uh, Bluegrass Miracle, that was, a, that was a hell of a game. Um but it just, it, it, I love it. I love the countdown because there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting there. So just hang out with us. It's off season. I know it's a little slow, but we get some news. We'll get out there as soon as we, as we can. And hopefully we'll start ramping up our show production uh, closer we get uh, to, to fall camp. Well, Shane, glad to be back. Glad to uh, be sharing the latest around the SEC. And like you said, the, you know, the best is yet to come. So I can't wait for it. And, uh, you know, that's a great place to wrap it up, Shane. So appreciate you hopping on here with me. Appreciate each and every one of you hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.
Yeah, I can't wait for it, man. So, yeah, hey, let's jump off here while we while we still got uh, voice in our lungs here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what that's so weird. I don't. <laughs> Put it on the reel. <laughs> you still, you still on that Colorado? Time, huh? <laughs> that wacky tobacco affair. <laughs> I'll, de- I'll put that definitely on the blue.